0: Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted it's Connor here and Gabe and we we got a bunch of emails a flurry a plethora yeah
1: <laughs> in response to the, the idea of, or the question about leg cramps well they're serious yeah i and get then, i i get them wake yeah. up in the night well, no one listener wanted to know about that you know he's getting leg cramps and he wanted to know why they they happen yeah Derek, i believe was his name and if i rem- if memory serves we asked our listeners about leg cramps, and
0: we got a bunch of emails
1: about leg cramps. And I'm just going to read a couple here.
0: Yeah, quick qu- caveat. We haven't um, clinically solved this. We haven't. The idea was at some point we were going to talk to a person of medicine about why this happens. We have not done that.
1: But we got the emails, so why not read a couple of them yeah. out? Yeah. I have had these since I was a child. Either dehydration... Magnesium deficiency, or pickle juice. Mm. I love pickles, and I think my body was trying to tell me electrolytes, girl. Once in a while, I still get I still get them. Yikes! And then a bunch of smileys or hmm. emojis.
0: The only reason I, I, I again I'm purely speculating here. Yeah. But in Germany they have these uh, these what they call brause tabletten. It's like you, you plop it in water, and it makes it fizzy, yeah. and it can give you vitamin C. They're supplements, vitamin yeah. C, calcium, and magnesium. Magnesium, and big I, time. And I take those. I take those magnesium. It taste good. Yeah, it makes water delicious. And um, still, I had the issues for a while at that same time. So for me personally, that didn't seem to be the culprit. The that cramps didn't go away with the magnesium. Been, yeah, couldn't. Uh, maybe I just needed more pickle juice. I don't, I don't know. Well, wife and I
1: both get leg cramps at night. We started taking magnesium citrate as recommended by many other people now we rarely get the hmm. cramps again contradictory to my experience it and must be magnesium citrate <laughs> No, we one gonna... person no this person sent a picture a gigantic oh uh, yeah bottle of magnesium citrate high absorption helps support bones muscles and heart health mm-hmm. is what this person is, okay. is on the bottle of the, of well, the picture what the bottle claims yeah. and again
0: we should be very clear here the worst thing we could do is accidentally encourage our listeners to go buy products that are not only um, not beneficial to them. But in some cases, I don't know. Does does taking magnesium negatively interact with other medicines that you're taking? I don't know that. And uh, don't do anything based on what we're saying right now. Right. Don't. <laughs> that's, that's maybe the most important thing. Thank you, Connor. Yeah. Uh, I have not an email. We had a lot of emails. I have a YouTube comment. They were pouring in still pouring in not with regard to leg cramps but with regards to children children in God question yeah the children in God and morality question this this research we talked to Madeline Reiniki about and how kids as uh, by age four are very willing to reject God telling them what to do in a moral way and concretely the example was stepping on another kid's foot if the kid thinks that's okay to do and they hear that God says no you shouldn't do it kids like no no I think it's okay If the kid thinks it's wrong to do and God says, you should, the kid sticks to his or her her or their principles. Mm -hmm. They don't care what God has to say. So the comment, uh, really well written. I unfortunately have to summarize it because it was long. Um, It says that we've kind of walked into a trap in a way, argumentatively with this research. And by talking about it, it says, you know, the thing that children were asked about doing, hitting another child without provocation, would be considered a sin, according to the Bible, for multiple reasons. So a religious person could say that the children declining the order that was sinful to begin with is in fact evidence that objective moral values do exist and are aligned with the Bible even from a very young age. And that it all – it's this moral argument that ultimately ties back to the idea that our morals are – they align with religious morality and hence they come – they're they're divine. Yeah. They're divine. So we got into that with Madeline, right? We
1: asked her – if morality comes from God, does this
0: is does that destroy this, or does this destroy that? The study. If you're a religious person who says that all of your morality comes from clearly not. That's what this comment is about. That a religious somebody making a religious argument would say. Well, uh, it shows that our morality is in fact divinely inspired because the two kind of line up. I what I replied to the comment. You're welcome to read it in full. Again, the the YouTube channel is DW Podcasts on YouTube and Science and Scripture is there. It, it's it's wrong on its face this argument because first of all, children aren't agreeing with God here. And in fact, some are, sometimes their morality really deviates from what you would find, for example, in the Holy Bible. For, first of all, which, which God, which, which religious text are we talking about? Mm-hmm. But even there, they're not lining up with God. They're choosing their own path.
1: Right. And so the question it, was whether God can change those kids morality.
0: Correct. And the answer can't, was no. Can't. So it's wrong on its face. We can start there. Secondly, I would Say, is it any surprise that a a religious text that was transcribed by human beings contains human morals? That's no, or, or was written by human beings contains mm-hmm. human morals. The final step of the argument would be, well, you know, it wasn't really written by human beings; it was divinely inspired, and the human hand was just the, I don't know, the medium through which God's word. Okay, that, ordained by God, yeah. Sure, that can neither be proven nor disproven. <laughs> but in this YouTube comment, and for anyone out there. Uh, anyone, someone says this is "quote unquote" evidence of the divine. Yeah. That's a really important word to me. Evidence, <laughs> and to the, to the people behind the show, yeah. evidence means something. So, if anyone uses evidence that word in this context, I would ask them which evidence, provided, it, which yeah. peer-reviewed journal yeah, was it yeah. published in, and where can I see how they conducted that study? Yeah. Uh, that's the last I have to say on what was a really interesting interview and just and still a fascinating topic that I could talk about forever, but we're going to move on to a different study. Here's a study about about proof, because we're going to be dealing with a a concept or
1: something that there's a huge body of literature on this. It has to do with going out into nature and that effect on us. There's a lot of proof out there, scientific work that's been done about how good nature is for us. But this study, they went a little bit further than the proof that already
0: exists, namely self-reporting. Mm hmm. Right. So me- meaning people who got in the nature into nature, end up filling out a survey afterwards and they're like, I feel much better.
1: Yay! Right. Right. It makes me feel better because that's what I write about myself or that's what I report about myself. Or maybe you've been
0: primed to believe it's going to make you feel better. And, it, and so you check the box
1: at the University of Utah. They went in. They they, they went further. They had people take cognitive tests. Following that foray into nature, or a walk into nature in this case, they had people take a 40-minute walk into nature, that was one group, and they had people walk around a parking lot, that was the second group. And what they did before that was they drained them cognitively. They made them count back from a thousand
0: by sevens. Oh, by sevens. By sevens. Oh, 993, right. 986, right. 979. That's, that's painful. Drained, cock,
1: absolutely drained before you take this walk. Then you take the walk either in nature or on a
0: parking lot. And after that, you have to take an awareness test. Up to this point, imagine you're in the group. You've been drained, <laughs> counting backwards by sevens from a thousand. You get forced to walk up around a parking lot. for parking, forty minutes. Parking lot, like, What is this? Why did I? Why did I sign up? And then
1: they have to take an awareness test. That's looking into the to uh, being alert, your sense of orientation, and your sense of what's called executive control. Mm-hmm. Right. So a test looking into those three things. Between the people who walked around in nature and the people who walked around the parking lot, the people who walked around in nature did way better on executive control. That is the most, that's the portion of our brain that is most evolved. It has to do with the highest order of cognitive tests, so decision making. The people who walked around in nature were way better. In addition to that, they had their brains scanned using EEG. So 32 electrodes making a brain map. Of of their or making a map of their brain, and in that part of the brain that is that is in charge of this executive control, namely the prefrontal cortex, a more what much more activity in the people who went walking in nature, so in the arboretum outside Utah University, compared to the parking lot. So not all it it, was the nature. It's it was the nature. They compared these two groups of people if you went walking in nature you were way better when it comes to hard tasks than if you had just walked around in a parking lot so if if you're in nature you are your your brain is better cognitively you're in a better state if you go walking in nature in this arboretum outside utah university compared to asphalt <laughs> it's,
0: so uh, it's more uh, the, than just the,
1: feeling better walking around in nature makes you feel better it's that your brain is
0: better yeah so, I, I, was, I mean, I was going to joke and say that the lesson for people is if, you're, you know, if you have the option of going in a beautiful trail or circling the parking lot for 45 minutes, take the trail. But obviously, it's yet another piece of the puzzle we've talked about a lot. Go and take a walk through something that's green. Nature is good for us. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, just a, a sort of something to say on uh, a, a, a scientific study that made headlines around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about Alzheimer's. And the first and most important thing I can say about it is that you are not, you the listener, you're not going to catch Alzheimer's. It's not contagious. It's not a disease. Somebody doesn't sneeze it out or breathe it out. No, it takes a long time for
1: that to happen in our brain. And it's a neurodegenerative uh, course of events over years.
0: Correct. That is how we understand it. Either due due to lifestyle choices, you can accelerate the likelihood that that's going to happen. There's a bunch of
1: factors that lead to it: obesity, yeah, but diabetes, not, not all understood. poor health.
0: Yeah. Genetics can play into play into it. Yeah. Now, in a very small study, researchers from the UK have shown, or it, it, the study suggests, it depends who you ask, that there are very, very, very specific circumstances where it can be transmitted from one person to another. That was the headline that went around the world. We couldn't talk about it last week, even though we knew about it, mm. because it was embargoed. That's something that happens in the, in the science world. You, you find out that a study's about to be published, and we, we saw it was coming. We couldn't talk about it. What's worth saying today is that this, the, the, what they did is they looked at eight kids, and the, these eight kids back between basically, I think it was 1959, 1985, if you needed growth hormones, if you were smaller than you should you weren't developing the way you should have been the way they did that in some cases in the past and they do not do this anymore is they went into the pituitary gland of people who had died mm-hmm. in their in their brains and they i guess they sucked it out with a syringe they got that stuff out and they used that as a growth hormone treatment for underdeveloped People. they took the stuff of the pituitary and gave it to these kids yes okay this no longer happens none of you listening right now have to worry about this as a possibility they stopped doing it at 85 anytime they if, if you get growth hormones now it's done it they're made in the lab and now they've had a look at what happened to these kids down the road namely now yeah and of them five of eight had early onset dementia ages 38 to 55 Of the other three, one had mild cognitive issues, another one had subjective cognitive, and one was asymptomatic subjective cognitive. I believe in this case is referencing um, someone who had issues anyway. Mm-hmm. or degenerative issues two major German institutions experts have weighed in on this this is from the science media center in Germany but uh, he's actually part of the Robert Koch Institute the the CDC of Germany mm-hmm. and he's been looking at um, prions for years this is when proteins start folding in on themselves and they cause other proteins to do the same thing mm-hmm. and he's not really so convinced and I think that's kind of interesting as well he's like look um, it's based on five patients out of eight that we're talking about, who developed dementia three to four decades after treatment with growth hormones. Two of the five people in question had mental disabilities since childhood, which are associated with an increased likelihood of early onset dementia, um, and on and on. He basically goes on to say, look, further studies are desirable and necessary to check and if... Necessary support the far-reaching conclusions of the author team. In my opinion, it seems premature to describe the patient's clinical syndrome as iatrogenic Alzheimer's. That means it was transferred surgically, mm. or yeah, in this case, surgically, pretty much. And he's—so he's not convinced. And I, I wanted to make that clear because it's scary to imagine— and I'll repeat what I said at the beginning differently. Uh, you're not gonna, you're not going to walk into a retired liv- or an assisted living facility, into a retirement home, and catch Alzheimer's. We're nowhere near saying anything close to that. That's mm-hmm. not what this is about. Uh, if you spend time with uh, a loved one who has Alzheimer's, well, it's also not something that you exhale. You don't. And also,
1: it, the evidence, it's not, it's it, it's not clear, what happened.
0: Yeah, and that's that's. The viewpoint from the CDC of Germany. That would be uh, the takeaway. Yeah. Uh, officially. So if you heard that headline, it's, it's a stunning one, and it's possible that it will be verified completely in the future and that it'll continue to, to shape and change our understanding of, of mm-hmm. all neurodegenerative diseases. At this point, take a deep breath. You're fine. It's not going to happen to you. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we're not even sure if that's the case yet. All right, Connor,
1: Thanks. And if anyone wants to weigh in on this, it's a big one. Let us know at sudw.com.
0: Science Unscripted.